If you'll please take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 35. We're coming to our last couple of messages in the life of Jacob. And I want to start with Romans 12 verse 2 because I think it encapsulates our passage this morning. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, we transition from chapter 34, where it had the world written all over it. Bad things happen. They try to fix it within their own power. And yet here, one chapter later, we find where God has written all over this chapter. And so here's where we need to focus our attention is how God changes Jacob in a very real way. So I want those who are older maybe to listen up that it's never too late. And if you start as a younger person, start saying, well, this doesn't apply to me. One of the blessings that I think I receive as a pastor is I get to be around people who are in their inner life stages who give a lot of wisdom. And I think this is one of the downsides of our society. When we take our kids and we separate them from the older uh, generation, we need to find that wisdom of how to live life and live life according to the call of God. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we, this is your word and you have sought to keep it, Lord, with all of the, the good and the bad. Because, Lord, that is life to us. We go through the trials and tribulations and we know all of us need to be called to a perspective where we keep our eyes focused upon your son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, give us ears to hear and hearts to understand, to comprehend the truth of your word this morning and then apply it. And as we apply it, Lord, may we then go and tell others where they can find the hope only found in Jesus Christ. This we pray in his name. Amen. So as we begin to look, we see that this passage is separated into two parts. The first one is verses 1 through 15 and then 16 through the end of the chapter. So in the first part, we get to see God's grace to his people. So the first thing that God does in his grace is he talks about a call. Now, we should remember that there was a mess up at Shechem. Remember, he shouldn't have been there in the first place, but yet he stops in Shechem and he has all this stuff start to happen. So one of the things we need to remember is we can't allow the past to define you. And again, those of us who came to Christ a little bit later in life recognize that again, uh, we are, we recognize we were sinners. In the, in the need, but yet there's a lot of times we allow the past to debilitate us. And so we say, well, God can't use me because of sin X, Y, Z. But the truth is that God can still use us sin and all. He's never outside of going to use us and the things that we have gone through. It allows us to become. And so as he's made this mess up at Shechem, God comes to him with a call and says, arise and go. Go to Bethel, go to the place where I told you to go back to in the first place. And so he tells him to, to repent, first of all, which means it's 180 degree turning, turning away from ourselves and turning to God. And then he renews us. And it's where we get to run back to God. And so we get to see that through uh, where... Uh, Last week or a couple of weeks ago, we got to hear it through the prodigal son, someone who runs home. We get to see it in scripture with Peter. Remember when Peter messes up and, and he denies Christ three times and then God still allows him to run back to him. And he says, hey, I still need you to go and feed my people. 
And so we have this renewal to where we are allowed to come back to God. And when we get that call to go back, there becomes a time of purification and commitment. That's what happens here with Jacob. For he tells him to put away a couple of things and to put on others. He tells him to put away all of the idols that were in the family. Now that should seem a little off. Here's supposed to be a man who, in our opinion, would be a Christian Someone who's had an encounter with the living God, who's had exposure, and now he's still, and we know that his wife stole idols, but there seems to have been open idol worship in this family. And so what he does, he says, hey, we need to have all those idols come and we need to rid ourselves. We need to purify ourselves. Now, before we throw rocks at them, how many of us seek to have little gods as well? What do we put our hope in? What do we rely upon? Because a lot of times we do think that maybe God fails us. Maybe we think we need to help God out a little bit. And so Jacob has these little gods in his family, his extended family. And so he's telling us we have to purify ourselves because of this, because of the gravity of the holiness of God. Remember Isaiah 6, where Isaiah is in the the heavenly realms and he has the experience with God and he says, woe is me. And that's the experience that Jacob finds himself. He's so overwhelmed with God's holiness that he begins to understand that woe is me. And so he purifies himself, but there's not just that, there has to be the putting on. There has to be more than just stop doing wrong. There has to be the understanding because if we just stop with doing wrong, what we do is we become Pharisees. We start to look at other people and we start to judge of what they're, what they're not good at and what we are good at. And so we have to make sure that we put on the transformation in Christ. And so Jacob does this. He, he's putting on the transformation of this, of, of having this response to, to God. And as he does that, he leads his family to do the same. And as they begin to do this, they start to go back to Bethel. Now, again, we need to remember the journey because Jacob, as we have seen throughout the story, has been a fearful man. He's been fearful of Laban. He's been fearful of Esau. And now last week, we can know that he's fearful of people in the situation. His sons have gone out and killed the men of a whole city. And only that, they've taken all the possessions for themselves. And he says, you've made me something, I'm I'm a disgrace in this land. And what's going to happen if they all figure it out and come together and kill everything that I have? So he is a fearful person. But only that, he's fearful of the what ifs. And we can recognize that in our own lives, can't we? What if this happens? What if this happens to me what if this is going on how many of us have discussions with our own selves in our own head what if what if what if and if we listen to ourselves we become fearful and fearful begins to drive what we do or don't do but one of the good things about what jacob does is he fears god more than the what if And so listen, he obeys even in the midst of fear. 
He's got to go through the land to get to Bethel. And it's funny that in verse 5 in your passage, at verse 5 it says, As they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around him. See, it's God who does the moving and the changing. He changed the people's hearts. There's nothing Jacob did. God was the one who changed it so that he could walk through the land and go back to Bethel. But it's not just going to Bethel because he renames it to El Bethel. Now we're going to see what that means. So a lot of times if we're honest, we go to to go visit people and places. So a lot of our vacations go to see relatives or we go to places that we like or, or we have relationships with other people. And so this is, again, there's an importance of people and places. And we see this because there's something, there, again, there's something odd that happens here. They talk about a death. And they talk about a death in verse 8 about Rebecca's uh, nurse, Deborah. Now, Rebecca's nurse came back with Rebecca from this land. And so with all of the calculations, she's probably has been with the family 150 years. And so what happens is she dies here at at Bethel and they bury her. And it's so impactful that it's the name that's given there. It means an oak of weeping. And so there's, there's a response, not just to come back to where God is, but there's a place now where there's family members that have been buried. But what happens is Jacob says, I don't want just Bethel. I want El Bethel. Now, when it's Bethel, it means where he had an encounter with God. But what he wants is he wants the God of the encounter. Which means Bethel doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that this church means anything if God's not here. This just becomes another place. God has to be here in our midst for this to become a place where we long to be. Where we hope to be. Because now there's changed priorities. We are doing all things for God and his glory. Steve Brown talks about this. Um, He says when we're young, we think that we are, um, we can change the world. And we have all this energy and we have all this time. He says, but then we get a little bit older and a little bit wiser. And those days are gone. But we still think that we can change the people around us. And the situations that we encounter. But he says, then we get a little bit older and a little bit wiser. And he says, then we start saying to God, God, I hope I'm not messing people up. See, it's a changed priority. God, it's not about me. It's not about my name. It's not about my glory. It's about your glory. It's about your name. It's about your holiness. It's about you being faithful. You're the one who has to get bigger. I have to get smaller. And so Jacob learns this at El Bethel. And as he's there, he has another moment with God. And it's a covenant renewal that happens. And the first thing that God does is he changes his name again. Now we know he's already done this. He says, no longer, when you wrestle with him, no longer are you Jacob, the deceiver. You're going to be Israel. But listen, this is the first time that God says, now you're going to be known by this name. This is the first time you are being Israel. And it's the same application for us when we come to Christ. It's no longer us. It's Jesus who God sees. 
And so we receive a new name. Christian. And so it's the thing that applies to us. And it's the thing that should be the most important to us. Not your individual name, but that you are named as Christ's offspring. And so as we begin to see that, then what happens is there's a changed life. Because there is the covenant renewal. And again, it becomes more about how do I fit into the will of where God wants me. And again, it's the renewal of the covenant. God says, I'm faithful and continue to be faithful. I'm going to bring blessings But I also want you to see, it says at this point, that he leaves him. And there's a change here. And I want you to understand that there is a change. It changes from the patriarchs. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the way that God dealt with them is now over. Because the next person that it goes to is Joseph. And God no longer comes down and meets with him. He now starts to minister within dreams. Just like he ministers to us through the word of God. And so there's a switch here where there's a mode of changing. And there's a mode of change because we have to recognize the second part of the passage. That God brings comfort in the midst of great sorrow. Because right after this passage where there's three times of communion between Jacob and the father. He now finds himself with two more funerals and family sin. So we have to recognize that there is death and new birth. So the first thing is the sorrow and death. This is his beloved wife. This is the favorite wife. And she has this unexpected hardship in the midst of birthing the son. And it rips out Jacob's heart. But even in the midst of ripping out Jacob's heart, he recognizes life goes on. And he recognizes that there's still trials, there's still pain, there's still sorrow. But life is different it's different with the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's different with the Father. God is still sovereign. God is still in control of the situation. Jesus still understands the situations and the pains we go through. And the Holy Spirit still comforts. So it's a different mindset that we go into as we begin to deal with life that goes on. But there's also the hope in life. Because what happens is it says that there's a son that is given to uh, Rachel before she dies. And she names him Benoni. Now again, we're not exactly sure, so don't take this as gospel truth here. But they believe that translation of that means son of my sorrows. And so this is her dying wish that her son be named this. However, and I want you to recognize this. Jacob, for the first time, names one of his sons. First time. And seems to be the only time. But Jacob is the one who comes in and says, he's not going to be known as Benoni. He's going to be known as Benjamin. For he's at my right hand. And so Jacob switches the aspect and he says, this is how God is being faithful, even in giving me the son, even in the midst of this time of sorrow and trials, God is still good and I will still praise him. And that's the example for us. This pandemic is not the end. 
And how do we respond even in the midst of the pandemic? We still give Him glory. We still worship Him because He is the one who's still in control. It's not Lucci. It's not our president. It's not the world's centers of disease control. None of them, they still are making mispredictions. God is the one who knows. And God's the one in control. And so just like Jacob, we've got to respond with saying praise to you because we know at this point, listen, in this little life, God has fulfilled the nations. And they name them. All 12 tribes in the scripture for you. Here I fulfilled my promise. I have been faithful and I will continue to be faithful. So trust in me, Israel. And so as that happens in the midst, there's still something that goes on pretty bad in the midst of the family. And it's the action of the son. And all of us know that there are sins in our family, skeletons in the closet. And it's a sin that affects everyone. And it's the firstborn who does it. So we've already seen two of the younger brothers who went out in revenge and killed all the people. Now we see Reuben, the firstborn, the one who is to receive the blessings from his father. And now he goes into something so bad that it affects everyone. Now I really do believe that what he was doing here was just not something sexually. He was doing something to usurp his dad's authority. I'm in control. And Israel responds by hearing it, but he doesn't respond at this time. And we'll see later on how he deals with Reuben. But what he does right now is it becomes where the blessing goes, not to the firstborn or the secondborn or the thirdborn. It goes to the fourthborn, Judah. And what is Jesus known as? The Lion of Judah. So even here we see God being faithful. He removes the blessings from the sons that have gone and done disgrace in his name. And they did it in his name. And he goes to Judah. It's not just about sin. It's about when we do sins in the name of God. Because Judah probably was a sinner just like us. But God chooses Judah to become the line where we find the fulfillment of the covenant as Jesus is born of this line. And so we have where God goes through this and he's always, listen, faithful. Again, he's always in control. He's always faithful to fulfill his promises. So we have the first death, we have this um, sin of the family, but then we have the second death that goes on. And it's a, it's a move where we go from covenant headship. Well, what do we mean by that? We have Jacob, remember now, is the spiritual head. And that came through his father, Isaac, right? And he stole his birthright and he stole the blessing. And so here we have a passing of Isaac. Now the father is going to pass. And the brothers, maybe for the first time, because remember, uh, Jacob lied to his brother Esau. And he said, hey, I'm going to be along in a couple days. And he doesn't. He settles and builds a house in Shechem and in Succoth. And he does all these things. So this might be, again, the first time that he sees his brother again is at the deathbed of his father. 
But we find that there's a renewal and they're united. And Esau doesn't kill Jacob. And so Jacob, because he stole the birthright, because he receives a blessing, listen, at his death, now he becomes the head of the house. Physically and spiritually. But this covenant headship and responsibility doesn't stay with Jacob very long because in the next few chapters, we're going to see that it moves from Jacob or Israel to Joseph. So everything that Israel fought for in this world wasn't enough. And when he finally got what he thought that he was wishing for, it didn't satisfy Sound familiar? We can get everything we want that this world has to offer. And it's never going to be enough. We can only be satisfied in Christ alone. And so in the midst of this greater purpose, Jacob slash Israel finds that he just becomes a small part in the greater story of the kingdom of God. Would we be satisfied and content with just being a part that God gives to us? Are you satisfied where you're at? Are you gracious that God has given to you what you have and the ministry that you've been given? Or are you always longing for something more? Allow God to move so in you that again, your greatest hope, your greatest desire is to glorify and honor him. It's not too late. And it's not too early. We have the opportunity to purify ourselves and commit and to allow him to transform us by his grace. Here again, these words from Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything that you desire will be added unto you. Seek first. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you that you are plastered in this passage. Because it's to you that we look for the fulfillment of your promises and your faithfulness. Lord, it's to you that we look as the sovereign good father who loves his children more than we can ever dream or imagine. A father who gave his son and a son who freely gave his life on the cross who paid for our sins and gives to us his righteousness, who defeated sin and death and Satan upon the cross. And so therefore he resurrected from the dead and sits at your right hand as the judge of everything and everyone on this earth. And it's to him that we keep our eyes focused upon, not the things of the world, for they're always changing. They're always seeking. They're always lying. Yet you are the truth and the power, and the glory forever. 
And it's to you we run with endurance the race that is set before us. Thankfully, you are faithful, so allow us to run to you and not from you. For this we pray in Christ's name and all God's people said, Amen.